This program has been made possible through the support of Vanda, creators of solutions for non-24 disorder. ACB thanks Vanda for their support. Learn more about non-24 by visiting their website at www.non24.com. You're listening to coverage of the 2021 Convention of the American Council of the Blind. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome, 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 as Anthony would say. And uh, my name is Byron Lee, and this is the Blind Pride International Program on Self-Defense. And BPI is partnering with Strive for You to start us on the road of learning self-defense techniques. Uh, with the adaptive program, we will learn the basics of strengthening our core, uh, and using well-honored skills that will inspire us to get up and get moving with confidence and the ability to defend ourselves. We've got, uh, Amy, who also goes by Blind Amy on social media, places like TikTok and all the other places. And then we also have Mark. They are from a program within Strive for You called SEED, S-E-E-D. And that stands for Safety, Education, and Empowering Defense. So, um, I'm going to hand it off to you guys and have you tell us all about your awesome program. Thank you, Byron. We really appreciate that. Um, so, as he said, SEED is um, part of an organization that is called Strive for You. Strive for You uh, has three programs, a adaptive sports program that actually was on the session right before this one. So, if you were on that, you know about that program. They also offer a Be Real program. That's an advocacy program. And then, of course, the SEED program, Safety Education, Empowering Defense. Now, um, how today's presentation is going to go. First, we're going to give out the CEU's uh, number. So for your CEU number, it is 51889. Again, Five one eight eight nine, and then we'll have another one for you at the at the end. I'm gonna give you all because um, I feel like starting off, I want to give you all an overview of what this is gonna look like, so you know know what to expect and and hopefully when to when to expect it. So at first, I'm gonna go over what is seed um, and what does the program look like. And then we're going to go into some actionable steps that you can take at home um, for starting your safety journey. Um, If you haven't already started one already. And then um, we would like to leave plenty of time for Q&A because we have found more times than not. We get uh, questions and we love questions. So we want to allow as much time as possible for that. All right. To um, give you sort of the, the mission of, you know, what SEED is, because I mean, saying safety education empowering defense is is quite a quite a chunk but there's a lot packed in to this 
this program. We take a holistic approach to self-defense, which basically means we're not just looking at the physical side of self-defense, but or yeah, we're also looking at the mental and spiritual side. Everything really needs to be um, harmonious because you can have all the the physical techniques, but if your mentality is not going to support you in performing those techniques, it's sort of this vicious cycle and seed really wants to address all the different angles when it comes to self-defense. We also take a skills-based approach to our program, which means you can start from zero experience and we can work with you, which for some um, who I know have been wanting self-defense training and, and things like that is probably a huge relief, not knowing, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to have any sort of experience for us to work with you. If you have experience, we can work, you know, it, it, it sort of, it doesn't matter. Um, if you have more experience, then you'll probably be a little more knowledgeable in the program from, from the get-go. So, um, but we start from where you're at and, and build upon. And that's the other angle of the SEED program is we are coming out with SEED 101. We are having a introductory program. And I'm hoping that by the 101, people understand that there is going to be a 102 and a 103 and a, and a 104 and who knows what other numbers we're going to come up with in the future, but the whole philosophy and the mission of SEED is to build and grow a culture around safety and security for all. If um, some of you might have questions um, when it comes to a previous program that I or Mark or other people involved in uh, SEED sort of came from, um, we ask you to go to info at onetouchproject.org and uh, email them your your questions. They would be happy to to assist you in that. In, in any questions you may have about the organization um, or anything to the effect with that particular program, because we do get questions sort of um you know what happened to the previous program and those sorts of things then we just want to direct you to the uh individuals who are going to have the the most information for you from the get-go now seed has as i said it's a we're introducing the the 101 program we have several different modules within this that goes from basic safety terms and terminology that we're going to be using within the program to discussing situational awareness, what to do in the event that somebody grabs you. Of course, the hands-on techniques that are designed to give you constant contact and control in situations or interactions that you, you need it for. I'm pretty excited. We have one um, concept that we are working on called empowering words, and that's go fits into the 
mental aspect of self-defense and learning to use your words to establish safety around yourself. And we'll get into that a little bit later so you can get a taste of, of what that's like. We also in the program have what we call our functional foundations. And we came up with this because in all the conversations that our team was discussing, there were these core things that we all agreed that needed to be taught in order to really have a good foundation with learning your skills and growing your techniques when it comes to self-defense. And we'll get into a little bit later on what some of those look like and how you can do those even without an instructor present, which is very exciting. We also have what we call the circle of seed services. Now, what this means is we offer services three different ways within our program. You can, uh, of course, take an in-person workshop with us. You can have a hybrid option where you mix some Zoom classes with uh, an in-person event. You can also have Zoom courses taught as well. We we have a few different ones, and I'll I'll go into those a little bit later. In uh, fall, we are actually going to launch the online portion of our program where you'll be able to take safety education, uh, empowering defense videos via our website, which is very exciting and allows people to have the the flexibility to work at their own pace and, and those sorts of things. It will also connect you with an instructor that if you have questions after um, or during, you, you'd be able to reach out and, and get your answers. From there, we have, I'm going to get into some of the, the courses that we are starting, we are going to start offering um, in, uh, starting August 1st. And there's the, the one that probably people are most interested in is the in-person one. And we refer to that course as our SEED 101 HOT, hands-on training. And that can be divided into four-hour or seven-hour workshops, your choice. Then there's that hybrid option that I was talking about where you could set up an in-person event or um, have some Zoom sessions before you do that in-person event. Or you can just have the the Zoom sessions. And uh, I'm pretty excited about the Zoom ones uh, personally because I, I just I get excited thinking about the idea of being able to help people even though I can't be in front of them, them teaching because there are parts of the program that we're not, we're, we're not going to teach like our hands-on techniques um, curriculum. You're not going to see that via zoom or on an online video that is for in-person only. And that's for a multitude of reasons. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into that now. Particularly safety reasons. Yes. Yes. Our, our main concern is your safety. (laughs) 
Mark, do you have anything to chime in at this point? So, I so one thing to expand uh, specifically when it comes to safety education and just understanding the processes in which to go through in order to think safely and securely, a lot of discussions can be done over Zoom and understanding those processes would be taught <clears throat> via that mechanism. Also, the functional foundations that you mentioned before can definitely be taught over Zoom. And those cover core aspects that have not fully been addressed in other systems, um, including balance, including uh, a perception of uh, possible threats and, uh, you know, better situational awareness uh, and just better discussion, um, having group discussions of potential uh, potential safety issues and how best to process and go through not only that, but an internal assessment, what to do after the fact, how to best report an incident. And all of that is, is covered in SEED. Well said. So as he was saying, there... Um some differences in um, how other programs have, have been ran. I am going to go through real quick, you know, because we've talked, you know, holistic courses, all these different sort of things, but what does that look like from a student point of view or, you know, in this terms, we're going to just refer to it as like a student, student track. Um, in the student track within SEED, uh, there is uh, there is going to be a right, r- wider range of skills that you're going to be able to learn, uh, whether it's in person or it's Zoom or online. SEED is very much dedicated to continuing to providing a continuous amount of information when it comes to your safety. So the more we learn about your safety concerns, we're just going to add those to the list of courses we want to potentially do um, in the future. And we do have a list. I promise that Um, we're also going to be able to provide opportunities for you to learn more. Uh, For example, you know, as we said, there's going to be those online courses then you have the Zoom options. And then for our both our students and our instructors, we're planning on holding regional retreats to where our instructors and our students will have an opportunity to um, train and work together and for our instructors learn more and, and things like that. Which reminds me, the instructor track uh, you're probably wondering, like, who who's teaching these courses? And for our instructors, we have three instructors within the SEED program. They are our certified safety education specialists, which would be able to teach a majority of the, the program with the exception of our our hands-on techniques. And then we're going to have our certified seed instructors that will be able to instruct in uh, every part of the program, whether it's in person, Zoom, or on online, whatever their, their preference is. 
Um, and then the one that Mark and I hold is we are advanced instructors in the program. And the advanced instructors do multiple things within SEED. Uh, we provide mentorship for instructors going into the program. And for like the instructor track, obviously we have advancement for our instructors. There is uh, an evaluation council that instructors will have the ability to, uh, it's sort of our checks and balances within the program that there, if there is, is uh, if an instructor has an issue or even a student has an issue, um, it can be, well, addressed with me. And then if you're not happy with my results, um, then you can always appeal it to an evaluation council. So that way there's not um, one person um, as um, Lord of the Ring or something, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of <laughs> kind of thing. One to rule them all. Anyway, sorry, probably nerding out on you all. And, and though we are always on the lookout for more people to become instructors, we do heavily believe on quality over quantity. Yes, that is very true. Uh, our onboarding process is, um, I feel it's a, it's a good one because when you're an instructor in the program, we want to make sure that you're a good fit for us as much as we are for you. And I think that's with any particular situation in life. You, you find your right fit. And I guess I will kind of wrap up this small presentation about what, what SEED is and just explain to you guys that at this point, there's probably people at four different interest levels. And level two would be like, you know what, um, I'm interested, but I want to learn more. So there's a few different ways that you can do that. You can follow us via social media. We are known as Strive for You across all social media platforms. You can um, watch our website. We are constantly trying to work to create new stuff to put on there, especially about the SEED program and other programs that Strike for You does. And then you can also subscribe to the newsletter. We Strike for You does a, a newsletter where it'll let you know about events uh, and those sorts of things. Our interest level three is, you know, you're thinking, I want to sign up for a class um, or I want to get some hands-on training. Currently, your action would be to contact me and I will provide that email uh, closer to the, to the end. So everybody's got a little, little time to take that down. And then um, you could also, um, you know, become a volunteer within and strive for you. We have uh, several different volunteer positions that could uh, benefit not just you, but several other people by you contributing to our organization and helping it grow and be successful because it's we, we strive for you really believes in just serving people and helping people with the services that we, that we offer. Um, and then level four would be like, yes, I want to be an instructor, get me a class. Like we're doing this right now. And so for you, I would say maybe think about becoming an instructor in the program. Uh, as I've said, there's, there's two different instructors that you could, you could become. And I would love to be able to have a conversation with anybody who, who has that interest level. Now you're probably wondering at this point, why did I not say level one? The reality is, is, you know, not 
everything is good fit. And so level one would be those people that are just like, I'm just, I'm not interested. And what seed would say to those people is that's cool. We, we recognize that we may not be a fit for you, but we do strongly, strongly encourage people that if we're not a right fit for you, find something that is find a program, find a class, find something to encourage, um, well, I guess not encourage, but to build your your skills um, when it comes to self-defense or safety education. You cannot go wrong in that department. You know, we're not the, the first self-defense program out there, you know, by persons with disabilities, for persons with disabilities, and we're probably not going to be the last. And that's Okay, our program is developed from many years of different people's background experiences to form this one program that we feel encompasses all the different elements that a person needs to learn in order to keep them keep themselves safe on a on a day to day basis. So that's my sum up of the seed program. Mark, do you have anything to add to that? Nope, not at the moment. Uh, can we open up the questions? I want to, I want to cover one more thing real quick and then we'll get into the questions. Okay. So <clears throat> as it said in the, in the intro is, you know, we were going to give you some actionable steps to working on your, your core. Now this might seem very simple what I'm about to, to say, but Seed is very passionate about this being a, a, an essential foundational block for, for your safety, and it's balance. Balance is one of our functional foundations that we have in the program. There are seven uh, different categories within our functional foundations and balancing is a big, big piece. Balancing is something that you can practice every day. And since we've decided that balance was an important part in the program, I personally have been doing um, this particular balancing drill at the suggestion of Mr. Mark here, who's on the call. He um, recommended that, you know, I could do, you know, heel raises. And I was like, wow, like that's, it's simple. And it seems simple. And I started to do it and I could not believe it, but within it seemed really fast. Like I noticed I stopped walking into door frames as much and because I was keeping my balance more than I thought I didn't, I didn't even honestly know how unbalanced I was until I started doing these. And so um, I'm going to give you the suggestion. Now we're going to, you know, stand up. If you're listening to this, you know, fine, you know, if, if you're thinking I am not good at balance, like what you're a crazy lady, I'm not doing this. I encourage you to stand up, put your hand on, on the back of the chair, on the couch, on a, on a shelf, whatever the case might be, because I, you know what, I had to do that too in the beginning. That's okay. Again, remember, it's a skill-based approach in this program. <laughs> so you can start with, with, with some assistance and, and we're good with that. Now, heel raises are, but Mark, you know what, you explain heel raises because you do a good job of it. <laughs> That's what I'm going <laughs> to well, heel raises are just kind of like what it sounds like, as if 
or to go up to stand on your tiptoes, and then you go back down. You can just raise up to the balls of your feet and then go back down. You don't have to do it quickly. You don't have to like to jump. You can do it slowly, whatever pace is comfortable for you. And, uh, you know, just start off with, you know, 10 or so, and then increase, you know, uh, to maybe 20 or so as whatever you feel comfortable. Don't overdo it. But the more you can do it, you know, if you get up to, you know, 30 in the morning, 30, you know, in the evening uh, and whatnot, it, it drastically helps with balance. And another thing, not necessarily the physical, when we talk about balance, we also have to consider if you were to just work on self-defense techniques, you know, um, and you're focused too much on the physical aspects of it, and don't also work on conceptualizing how to deal with the situation, how to relax, how to calm down, how to de-stress, you're not going to be balanced. And that could raise anxiety. And that is also an aspect which we also have to cover. Because let's say, heaven forbid, you have to perform techniques in order to take care of yourself. But that is also goes into the internal assessment and proper reporting, you know, so that you can make it through those stages so that you can continue to go back to leading a balanced life. So that's one aspect that's often completely overlooked. Yes. Uh, and that's why uh, we have more than one balancing drill. But um, this heel raise balancing drill is something so small. And you, you might be thinking, um, this is not, I'm not going to see results from this. I promise um, for me, <laughs> if it works for me, I, I have a feeling it's going to work for, for some other people. So give it, give it a shot. Um, again, you don't have to go up. Um, you know, and stand on your on your tippy toes for, you know, a full minute or something, you know, just enough to get your heels off the ground and, and back down. You can play around with it to where you try to be on the, you know, get up on your off your heels for longer periods of time. And I've and I've done that um, for individuals who might wear high heels. This will save your life on that. I've noticed an improvement in that. So that's a little side note for high heel wearers. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Mark really wanted to know that. Uh, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take your word for that, Amy. Okay. 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 There are different ways with just the heel raises that you can sort of expand. I'm hoping in mine and Mark's explanation, you've got a good idea of, of what that looks like. So in this conversation, you might be, um, performing the heel races as, as we talk, that's good. Um, it might take you a few to, I guess, kind of stretch things out. Cause I know that happens to, to me whenever I go to go to do it. Um, sometimes it'll take me seven to 10 heel raises to where I feel like I can actually do it without falling on my, on my face. Um, so be patient with yourself and, um, I'd be interested if, if somebody started today, what that would look like in 30 days for them. So that's my own little personal challenge for y'all. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one of the other aspects that I wanted to, to talk about because it covers the 
sort of the mental, uh, spiritual side of it, and that is the empowering words. And where we mean by empowering words is in interactions or situations that individuals that are blind or visually impaired come across, and it's most commonly that being grabbed aspect. What empowering words is designed to do is to change your default setting in what your response is to that particular situation. So I want you to think about it, uh, a situation where you might um, have been grabbed and I'm, I'm sure most of you are like, which time? Uh, and that's, that's okay. But in those interactions, what is your default response? Do you say anything or do you not say anything at all? And so whatever that default setting is, it's going, okay, we acknowledge what the default setting is. And then we help you to work on developing some terms that you are comfortable with. Because let's say, for example, me and Mark, we're, we're different people. What I would use for my empowering words would probably be different than what his are. And the reason for that is, is because if it doesn't become, if it's not natural for you to say it, you're not going to use it. it. You know, if you were taught to say, you know, when somebody comes up and grabs you and it's like, can I help you? If that feels rude to you or it just doesn't come out and you find yourself stopping, that's the part we want to break through to help you to find those own terms to empower yourself, set boundaries when somebody has grabbed you or you've had um, interactions you're not, not comfortable with. So that's one of the aspects within our within our program. I think now we're ready for questions and answers. Um, Byron, if you want to help us with that. Actually, that would be me. Oh, that's you. Tyann. So I live in Portland, Oregon, and um, I was wondering all these uh, different resources that you have, uh, is there a cost? Yes, there is, depending on what you're looking for and, and those sorts of things. I, I work that out with people. We will, uh, once the online component of our program um, comes out in the fall, we'll have a, a set price for that. I will let you know that a majority, I fit, we feel that all of our prices are um, something that individuals um, on disability can, can afford as well and, and things like that. Prices are not outrageous or any <laughs> crazy thing like that. Did that answer your question? I guess I don't. I, yeah. Okay. All right. And I do not see any other hands right now. Oh, okay. we do have one. Nikki. Hi, Nikki. You man mute. I'm Nikki Kobe. And what I was wondering, could you share for just as an example, um, if it's okay, what are some of your empowering words that you use? If that's okay for me to ask. No, that is, that is okay. Honestly, my empowering words have been changing here recently. I'll be honest with you. And so I'm still trying to work on um, 
some new words. I know one of the things that I do feel comfortable saying when when I'm in that sort of situation is the, can I help you? Or do I need to help you? Um, Because that usually catches people off guard whenever I'm asking to help them. Uh, Because in their mind, they're like, wait, I was trying to help her. (laughs) Um, Right. Uh, I'm I'm a little more quirky. Uh, Sometimes my default response is, uh, do I know you? (laughs) Um, I've I've other times uh, stated, um, you're not on my dance card. I like that so, one. D- depending depending on the situation, if I'm just trying to just if the grab is somewhat aggressive, but I don't yet know if the person was trying to stop me from running into something, or I don't yet know what the situation is, um, I might just say, "Do I know you? Um, hey, what's going on? You know, something to that effect to try to." Um, avoid any escalation, try to, you know, hey, give them a second to like, hey, uh, hmm, well, huh, maybe I shouldn't have done that or, you know, get them a chance to not understand what's going on. And that way you still have the element of surprise just in case you actually have to do a physical technique to defend yourself. I was curious about the the Zoom classes, would you have a group of people, like two or three, or would you just have a one-on-one Zoom class? How does that work? So with, with their Zoom classes, first, we are going to start offering four Zoom classes. We have our base or our seed um, 101 core elements uh, course that covers quite a bit of our uh, program and information that we we have collected for, for people's information. We will be offering empowering words workshops and mental health and safety workshops mm-hmm. and reporting. And some of those will be offered through Strive For You. And then we also will work with other um chapters, groups, organizations, families, you know, whatever the, the case might be. Um, and the, the ones through Strive, we do, the only thing that we're requiring is um, that we have a minimum of, amount of people. So that way uh, the cost um, yeah. is, is affordable for everybody. So that's the only. So, so at, present, at present, uh, it would be multiple people per class, uh, but That's that good. doesn't that does not state that at some point, um, if you're working with an individual instructor that you're you know happy with working with, then there could be you know individual instruction. Yes. But for now, um, we're we're just starting off with uh, teaching in a class, a Zoom class type setting. I think that's good because people have different ways of thinking and hearing things. And, right. and, and um, having an open discussion is what we want to embrace because yeah. we're talking about the culture and developing a culture. I was curious also about the, I've noticed uh, with this year and a half or whatever you, of distancing with the COVID, it's a very different kind of feeling when people get close to you it's 
quite a bit different than it used to be. Let's say if someone got within six inches of me or three before the COVID thing, I didn't notice that much unless they actually touched me. Right. Because maybe they're just standing there or, but now that the distancing thing has started and it's been here so long, I start getting this alarm feeling when they're quite a ways from me. So I was wondering if you guys had addressed that in any of the um, class materials, how close <laughs> does they, does they have to actually grab you or. Um, so, so that is kind of being aware of your own personal space. And that has definitely changed um, because there's that has certainly changed uh, due to COVID. So now personal space is has expanded a lot. Yes, it has <laughs> with me. It, I right. I really hate to see that happening, but I guess there's not a good way for it not to, since we can't see. For instance, does that person have a mask on? If we are in a I work with hospice patients, so I have to be real careful not to catch anything. Right. They don't need any more than they've already got. And Safety I can't even always tell how close a person is if they aren't making any noise unless I can feel them getting close to me sometimes. It's just kind of a it's a whole different way of the psychological changes are complicated. Right. I work with the veterans, and we, we've had to uh, learn because of the PS, PTSD. You never know when that's going to happen, so you have to be always ready for someone to start thinking that you're an enemy or a, a threat. Right. So with my, with my VA soldiers, I don't, I don't have this distancing problem. They, don't, they can get close to me without me. It's strangers that... I get kind of, and I'm not like that normally. I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, who cares? It doesn't matter. But then again, you know, I'm kind of worried about this alarm thing that goes off in my head when I think somebody's going to get within arm's length of me. I'm thinking, should I move? Should I, should I act like I don't notice? What, what do right. y'all think? It's, it's, it's always better to act as if you notice as opposed to just try to ignore it and hope that the problem goes away. So no, it's, it's, it's not going to go away. Right. So it's best to be proactive whenever possible. And it kind of does depend on the situation, which is why we do believe in open discussion to actually talk through the scenarios. Yeah. You know, in order it's to... It, go ahead, Marco. You know, in, in order to, to work through it so that you have mentally gone through the situation so mm-hmm. that you can make those those informed decisions ahead of time as opposed to just reacting when you feel uncomfortable in those situations. Right. Well, thank you very much because I, I can't really talk to sighted people about this type of thing because they, they have a whole different way of the concept for them is visual and they don't even get what it feels like to suddenly feel someone close enough to grab you. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but I'm not going to wait around to see. I'm probably going to start moving and say, well, try not to fall in any gopher holes or whatever I can think of to say. So they know I'm there, but I'm, I'm not going to just wait and see what they're going to do. 
ultimately you have to make the best choice for you personally when it comes to your safety, because others are not going to have, as you were saying, your experience or your background. And so, you know, having that, that gut reaction, it's there for a reason. And um, so, you know, don't do what you feel is going to make you the safest you would be my response. Swatha. Hi. Hi. I was wondering um, if you adapt, like we talked talked a lot about adapting for like visual impairment, but I was also wondering if you can adapt like your classes and hands-on, hands-on workshops for people who have physical impairments, physical impairments, physical impairments too. Um, Yes. So yes, that is absolutely on our radar. Um, a lot of our techniques, actually all of our techniques, and Mark can correct me, but they can be adapted um, de- uh, depending on a person's physical um, abilities. Um, so, yeah. Yes, ab- absolutely. So um, I've had students, um, I think my oldest student was 96 years old, um, and it- she can still do the techniques. Um, I've also had students who have had strokes and only had use of one arm and in a wheelchair and people who had limited mobility. So um, there are adaptations that can be made, um, but we work with you and and it works. So um, when it comes to that, usually that would be our advanced instructors as opposed to our regular instructors who might not have specialized training in, you know, doing the special adaptation. Um, But that is also a course that we are working so that our instructors get that extra training so that they know how to implement such. So absolutely. Veteran, you may unmute. Good afternoon. How are you doing? All right. I'm pretty good. I'm a retired military veteran, uh, 22 years in the Navy and 15 years with the Sheriff's Department. And is the uh, course that you teach sort of based on the same techniques as used in one-touch self-defense? No. It is not directly the same as one-touch. Many of the people who uh, created the system have experience in one-touch. Uh, it is not the same. Uh, there are foundations that were expanded upon, whereas uh, they weren't even covered in one touch. Because I'm, I, I took martial arts for several years too. Mm-hmm. I was interested in maybe checking this out. I wouldn't mind being trying to be an instructor, maybe. Right. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and if you have further questions about one touch, um, uh, they are not currently active. Period. Yeah, I know. I found that out. They were supposed to come over and teach an instructor's course, and then they kind of just went to the wayside. Right. Seed is here, and we are happy uh, to answer any questions you have. Um, I did realize I forgot to give out my email, which is just uh, it's Seed, S-E-E-D, and then a period, director at striveforyou.org. And it's uh, S-T-R-I-V-E. The number four, Y-O-U.org. And you can always go to the website, the Strive for You website, 
and uh, find my contact information there as well. Since there aren't other hands right now, Tyann, did you have another question? Yeah, I uh, was wondering what are the qualifications of being an instructor and do you guys have like a instructor training program? Yes, we, we do. We do. Um, go ahead, Mark. All right. Um, so to start off, there's an application process. Uh, a background check is required. Uh, you submit an application um, along with a resume. Um, unlike prior programs, we are going through a process because, again, it was uh, quality over quantity. And from there, um, there is the initial training. So there's a policy training and there's also safety education training and the hands-on training. After that, um, there is a period of time where you have to um, basically teach alongside another qualified instructor. And so basically we call that shadowing hours. So uh, given that you continue your training and once you reach a certain amount of hours, then you're fully certified. And you have a um, advanced instructor to mentor you the whole process. Um, so we each um, new instructor gets assigned a, an advanced instructor that will connect with them to make sure that they're understanding the process and making the process of becoming an instructor uh, easier. Chris, you can unmute. I have a couple questions. First of all, in your classes, do you have discussions of various situations that you might be in uh, for safety, to, to be aware of safety things such as, you know, walking, obviously walking down streets and things, but even things like safely using Uber and Lyft and transportation services like that? Absolutely. So to answer that, to answer that question, um, we do in our 101 program, we address a lot of um, the basic concerns. Now, as I, I said in the presentation, um, we have a list of different courses we plan on offering. One of those is a traveling course to where each module is going to cover a different, different like traveling method, such as Uber, the bus, um, those sorts of sorts of things. Um, and that's just one of the, I think I've got a list of about 10 different courses that we're um, going to work on over the next year. And also uh, with the skills-based approach, we're actually taking, once you learn these techniques, you also apply it when, yes. you know, we're talking about uh, recognition, threat recognition, analysis, and responses. So we're actually putting you in a scenario. So if you're talking about Uber or walking down uh, the street traveling, then we will do a scenario in order to gauge your response and to model that because the best thing that you could possibly do would be to simulate that in a more relaxed environment so that you can gain the, the physical um, response of doing that. Um, as opposed to just, you know, clinically doing a technique because somebody just grabbed you and there's no scenario elements to it. Right. 
you know, um, right. so that way, boom, your brain, you know, it, you respond. You, you don't even have to think about it at that point. And my other comment, my other comment was um, regarding your, <laughs> your empowering words. Um, I, our local chapter did do a self-defense class several years ago. And one of the things that we were taught was that your voice and what you say can be a real weapon to start with. And I was grabbed once um, on a stairwell. Mm-hmm. And it was in an older building with a stairwell that had tremendous echo. And when the, I was coming down the stairs with my purse around my neck and the guy came up the stairs at me trying to grab it. And I just said very, very loudly, you are not going to get this. And then they had taught us a technique of how to like pivot your body to the right or to the left, wherever you feel strongest. And then with your arms and elbows, I knocked the guy backwards. And he went down the stairs and a person on the stairwell above me heard me and said, do you need any help? And the guy took off. Right. So I would really encourage people that if you can get in a situation with um, being able to actually physically learn things like that and learn your own capabilities to, to do that. Because that was, I shocked myself that I was actually had enough adrenaline to actually hit the guy that hard to knock him backwards. Right. A little pressure goes a long way. That's adrenaline. Yeah. Right. So yeah. When adrenaline hits, you're going to be able to, you know, move faster and shrink harder than uh, what you probably would have imagined that you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unfortunate that you had to go through that situation, but I'm very glad that you were able to, to do that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any questions, Kristen? I mean, you're moderating, but you got any questions? You don't have the raise hand option. Um, I would just be interested. Um, you, you mentioned that you also have hybrid and in-person options. Um, I guess the question that I would have is, are you guys nationwide or are you in a certain area or how does all that? Oh, we see, we missed the boat because we are nationwide. Um, I live in Missouri. Mark lives in Texas. Um, Our other, we have two other advanced instructors currently. One is in Georgia and one is in California. So we are, um, to coast to coast <laughs> and in between. Ted, you may unmute. Hi, Ted. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. There you go. Yeah, okay, good. So I'm, I have some vision in my right eye and really no night vision. And what okay. I worry about is making a wrong assessment. Uh, if, if somebody approaches me and they think that I can see that they've got a weapon and I, I don't, then I may make the wrong decision about how to handle the situation. Like that, that example of the previous person, if somebody approaches me in a stairwell and demands money and comes to, up to me, I could do the same thing she did. But I also, if I knew that they had a weapon, might do something different. How do you, how do you suggest those type of decisions be handled for somebody you can't see, but other people think that they can. So that's a very good question. 
And that's something that you personally have to think about because in the case of also reporting, let's say that you had to defend yourself. And if you don't know if that person has a weapon, then that means that you have to avoid escalation, the potential of escalation. So for example, if that person comes up to you and maybe grabs you with one hand and you don't, uh, that person's not touching you with the other hand, you don't know if they do have a weapon in the other hand. And you have to understand what are the constants, what are the variables, so that we can kind of eliminate what those variables are. If it is that you don't know what's in that other hand, you need to try to move and navigate your way in order to, you know, try to eliminate that potential threat. So if that person's going to be aggressive, then that actually means that you need to eliminate that potential threat. Now, that might mean that that person gets hurt, but you know what, given the fact that you did not know whether or not that person has a weapon, that's kind of a decision that you would have to personally make. So it's not one of those things. If you have a self-defense instructor that says, hey, you know what, at this point, you have to do this, that could cause them grievous harm or death. No, no, that's a personal thing. Um, you know, but I will tell you this, if somebody tells me get in a trunk, I'm not doing it. I will take my chances right then and there. And if I don't know if they have a weapon, then that means, and they are being aggressive enough to the point where I may fear for my life. I'm sorry. I've got two kids at home. I'm going home, or at least I'm going to do my best in order to go home. However, it's trying to avoid escalation. If somebody says, hey, give me your wallet, give them your wallet, you know, but that's a personal choice. I mean, I'll give them my wallet, but unfortunately I was also in situations where somebody put a knife to my throat. Um, at that point, I didn't feel that I could just, you know, do what they said. So I had to take other action. So it's it's one of those tricky things and there's i don't think that there is a 100 percent right answer that's something that's self-reflective and honestly i believe you need to think about it before it happens so that you can be better equipped to deal with it when it happens but also having the techniques and having the mindset in order to deal with the situation heaven forbid it happens I, I hope I kind of answered your question. I, I would also add that, you know, um, in any any type of thing in life, I feel that when somebody um, educates themselves more, what I was saying was um, basically learn about safety and techniques and, and all those things, because the more you do, the more you're going to feel and um ready for those situations instead of um constantly worrying what would you do when you don't when you don't have the 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 answers would be my my two cents swelling you man mute what i was wondering um is now i've taken defense classes before um i have a guide dog now and when i've taken classes with a dog 
so far what I often get is, oh, you don't really need to learn anything. Your dog is protection enough. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I got that from uh, actually from a police officer. Of wow. things. They don't know enough about guide dogs and those things are puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I I don't know too many guide dogs who, I mean, some might, but only in certain situations. So I don't think that I would rely on a service animal to, you know, protect. Maybe in some cases, but not in all. So, yeah, no. So it still would behoove me to really learn techniques. So, you know what? I would actually state that when actually performing techniques, you learn, one, how to do the techniques without your uh, service animal present. Then you learn how to do your techniques and choose your techniques based on, you know, which hand you're going to have your harness in. And you model it out while, you know, having a chair there, you know. And then from there, you work your way up because there is the potential of your service animal getting harmed if, heaven forbid, you have to, you know, perform techniques um, in real life. And we cannot fully eliminate that, that risk. So, um, you know, learning the techniques and choosing the techniques that you would employ in a given situation Um, But that goes to the same thing of, you know, people's preference to, hey, what do you do if you're holding your cane? Um, You know, there are people who say, drop the cane, drop the person, pick up your cane, go about your business. There are also other people who state that they will never let go of the harness. So, So because some people are worried that they'll lose their surface animal. But there is also the consideration of if you don't let go, then you may hurt your service animal in the process. I, I would honestly suggest, you know, if, you know, you get to participate in a, in a seed event or something to that effect, um, you know, we're going to give you opportunities to, of course, practice individually and then um, times to where you can practice with your, your um, guide dog service animal type of thing because you are going to encounter situations where um, you'll have the guide dog present um, and you'll need to take steps. And then you're going to have situations where your, your, your guide dog won't be there as well. So um, being pre- prepared for both um, would be um, my suggestion for you. Right. And if you do have your dog there, you want to make sure that you protect your dog as much as you protect yourself. Correct. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I'm glad we could be helpful. <laughs> Ricky. Sorry to jump in. I just wanted to comment on the last question. As a guide dog user and uh, a, a self-defense instructor, the biggest thing with the guide dogs is there's a couple of different, as Mark was alluding to, there's a lot of different theories. But one of the things that also can, can happen with guide dogs is they give the impression to individuals that if I mess with that blind person, that dog is going to attack me. Chances are they're not, as was previously discussed, but giving that, letting somebody have that um, idea or perception, if you will, that that's going to happen. Fine with me. Uh, The part to it, though, is with the techniques that we show during the SEED program, we will teach you how to uh, 
protect yourself with the leash in hand. And then we will give you the, the best advice I think I can give as a fellow guide dog user is just trying to pick up a bag of groceries on the floor that I, when I've got my guide dog with me or, um, you know, some tasks that you try to do, your dog gets tangled up in things. Um, just trying to do normal tasks. You've got to deal with, you are in a stressful situation. You are, uh, your emotions are running high. You are fighting the fight flight mechanism response in your brain. Line. Yeah. Response in your brain. And so the best idea I personally am the person would say, drop the, drop the leash, let the dog run off and find safety. And then there is either a recalling, hopefully, or B, most of the dog guide dogs nowadays have the chip that's in their head that can be either scanned by the veterinarian or dog tags maybe that have a your phone number and name on them. It's better to keep, in my opinion, to keep the dog safe out of entangling, not only to get itself hurt, but uh, you tripping over the dog and not achieving your goal of protecting yourself. So... That's just my two cents with it um, as a guide dog user myself. Thank you, Ricky. For those, for those of you who do not know, Ricky Jones is uh, one of the co-executive directors of Strive for You. Well, Amy, I just wanted to thank you for uh, coming in and, and speaking and Mark as well um, on self-defense. You guys did a really great job and uh, everybody had some really excellent questions. Can you maybe uh, give people some places where they can go to learn more about Strive for You and how they can reach out to you, to both my, uh, Mark and Amy and also Ricky and uh, Christy? Yes. Um, so uh, you can go to our website, which is Strive, S-T-R-I-V-E, for you and it's the number four and then you.org um, on there you will um, see a lot about the arise program we are working on getting more information up there about seed by the end of the month uh, so keep checking back on the on the website um, and then if you have specific questions about seed you can email me and um or for mark you i can always forward uh those questions to to mark um or he can give out his email it's whatever his choice is but um my email is seed s-e-e-d period director at strive for you.org and it's strive for you is spelled the same way every time with that number four in the in the middle. Um, we also are fancy and we have a phone number too. Um, and that can be found on our website. So you can call us, uh, you can call Ricky or Christy or, or myself. Mark, you want to give out your contact info? Uh, it's probably best if you contact Amy and have it forwarded. Awesome. They're, they're filtering everything through me. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. All right, Amy, will you have all the power? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'll go with that. All right. Well, um, we have to play a little promo of what's happening next um, on ACB. Do you want me to give the CEU code or credit or number? Why don't we do that? Oh, yeah. Be important, huh? Okay. So that number is one six 
1-6-6-3-0. And that number again is one six six three six. Good catch. Thank you, everybody. And thank you. Um, thank you for hosting this event.